Chuck Tingle. Do you know that most of the time I'm on this podcast in a dark cave? This is because one of my top shows was Tales from the Basement with Skullman as the host. So if you listen closely, you will hear sounds of the spooky place where I tell my stories. Well, guess what, buckaroos? Today's show, we are going to talk Tingle from somewhere else. This is Wall Street in the middle of the Green Apple, which is the biggest city on Earth, maybe even the whole galaxy. There are so many things to see here in the Green Apple. From the Empire Strikes Back to a frozen giant named Liberty in the middle of the ocean. But everyone knows that if you want to learn about where money is made, you have to go to the Walls Tree. Some buckaroos say money doesn't grow on trees, but that just means they've never been to Walls Tree, a giant tree in the middle of the Green Apple. Where business buckaroos chop their trucks and make big time deals. They are called traders, and they are selling their wares in a big time market that has all kinds of stocks for every company you can imagine, like Bob Great's computer company, Microlofts, or John Lennon's computer company from after he left the Beatles, named Apples. Traders come from every timeline just to visit here and buy their exotic goods, like bones from reverse twins, or sand from a timeline where sand is spicy, and giant worms eat it all heckin' day. It is a wild and crazy place with shouting and yelling between buds, everyone just trying to make the big time sale. Over here is where they keep the bears. These angry bears tell you when the market is getting too dang expensive and you should sell, sell, sell. These angry bears get all riled up in their bear room until someone lets them out and says, Okay, bears, go eat these traders now. So this is a very dangerous way for money-making buds, but make sure everyone gets out of town quick. Gotta watch out for the bear room if you want to be a billionaire buckaroo, that's for dang sure. Over here is the bull room. This is where a confident bull is. He is very happy to be here making money, and he is also very sophisticated, like James Bond from the hit film James Bond and the Order of the Felix, where he takes his chocolate milk shaken and stirred. We all know this classic line. When the bull comes out of his room for fresh air, everyone in the whole dang tree starts buying the heck out of everything, because this dang bull knows how to work a crowd. Everyone is celebrating and talking on their new handsome cars, or handsome planes, or maybe even a handsome spaceship if they are Elon's mug. But top question of all who visit Wall's tree is a classic way. How the heck do I make all that money too? Can anyone live in a Wall's tree? Well, the answer is complicated, bud. Making a heck load of money is not easy, and there are many ways of setting out on this journey. True buckaroo, James Urbaniak, will now lead you on one such playful business trot by reading aloud the classic tingler, 
living inside my own butt for eight years, starting a business and turning a profit through common sense reinvestment and strategic targeted marketing. Living inside my own butt for eight years, starting a business and turning a profit through common sense reinvestment and strategic targeted marketing. By Chuck Tingle. Read by James Urbaniak. Record date December 10th, 2017. Los Angeles, California. It all started with a single moment. A tiny choice that would change my life forever. It's funny how that happens. One minute you're walking down the street with a hot coffee in your hand. The next you're tumbling end over end through the air. The earth suddenly flipping through your field of vision once, twice, three times. The next thing I knew, there was nothing but darkness. People ask me if I saw anything strange. During those moments, I was hovering between life and death. And I'd like to respond that I saw visions of my family or even angels. Unfortunately, that's not quite the way things happened. Instead, I felt a profound sense of disconnection, no body to exist in, but a frightened mind simply floating for what seemed like forever in the eternal blackness. They say that the man who hit me with his truck was going 40 over the speed limit. With that much force, it's even more of a miracle that I survived, landing on the other side of the street and breaking almost every bone in my body. I had a punctured lung and severe damage to my liver, lungs, and spleen. But modern medicine is a force to be reckoned with, even more so than the force of a speeding truck, apparently. Eventually, I found my way through the empty darkness and was reunited with my body in a hospital bed. This is where the nightmare really began. The driver who hit me was uninsured, and I'm not wealthy enough to afford health insurance for myself. I suddenly discovered that I was a struggling student with five million dollars in hospital bills to my name. I finish explaining this all to the barista before me, and he nods. Did you hear that last part? I question. Uh, yeah, the man says, dividing his attention between me and the next drink that he's struggling to prepare. So what should I do? I ask him. I'm drowning in debt. The barista hesitates for a moment. I'm sorry, I wasn't really listening, he finally admits. <sighs> I let it a long sigh and throw my hands up, taking my coffee and walking back over to the table that I'm posted up at today. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but these days I found my fuse to be unreasonably short. Life can only stab you in the back so many times before you just give up completely. I feel like the shell of my former self, the aches and pains of that horrific car wreck still flowing through my bones with every tiny movement. I sit down and sip my coffee, staring at the laptop screen before me. Rows and rows of job listings are displayed across my computer, but all the links have been visited already. While there are a few jobs here that I'm more than qualified for, none of them will provide me with what I actually need, a lot of money, very quickly. <sighs> I let out a long sigh knowing that the coffee shop is about to close, but not wanting to head home. I just can't take another walk past my apartment mailbox. I can already sense the guilt that it will crush down onto me as I try my best to ignore the bills that are literally overflowing from within. There's a sudden jingle as the coffee shop door opens up, and someone steps inside. I'm sorry, we're closed, explains the barista. Before he can say another word, however, the man who entered steps up to the counter and throws a fistful of money into the barista's face. It flutters around the shop in a flurry of green, drifting this way and that, 
until settling all around them. One of the bills lands at my feet, and I look down, immediately noticing that it's a crisp hundred. I reach down and snatch the cash up as quickly as I can. How about now? The mysterious man asks the trembling barista. The barista sweeps the money across the counter towards him and nods. I think we can fix up one more drink, he stammers. The mysterious wealthy man is dressed to the nines, looking sharp in a green velvet suit and matching top hat that are both covered in dollar signs. He is wealth personified, a perfectly groomed gentleman holding a golden cane that is topped with a dollar sign. I'd like four of your most expensive drinks, the man in the top hat commands. The barista nods. That would be the hour imported 8%. That would be the hour, O-U-R, imported 8% chocolate milk. I think there's an extra that in here. Anyway. The barista nods. That would be the hour imported 8% chocolate milk, sir. Very well, confirms the rich man. I watch as the barista quickly prepares the beverages and then hands them over. The rich man takes his drinks and pours three of them out into the garbage, asserting his wealth and dominance, and then sips carefully from the last. This is very good, the rich man remarks with a smile. Your tip is parked out back. The keys are in the ignition. Whoa, says the barista, struggling to find his words. I don't know what to say. Say nothing, suggests the rich man. Suddenly he swivels on his heel and heads for the door, a long green cape flowing behind him. Immediately I'm hit with the realization that this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment, my path crossing with financial greatness at a time when I need it the most. Wait! I shout out, leaping from my seat. The man's already gone, but I chase after him, running out in the parking lot and frantically searching for a glimpse of his luxurious green suit. It's hard to miss. As a helicopter lowers down from the night sky above and extends a staircase to the cement. Hold on, I cry, running after him and screaming as my voice is drowned out by the whirling helicopter blades. The rich man takes his first step up the staircase and then halts, hearing my voice and turning around to face me. Please, I pant, finally reaching the man. I need to know your secrets. How did you make all of this money? In this moment, something confusing happens. The man's gaze is furious at first, but as his eyes move down my toned body, they begin to change, flooding with a deep emotion and reverence. He stops completely when he reaches my ass. You're sitting on a gold mine. You know that? He informs me. Literally. I am? I question. Come on. The rich man throws his head back. I follow him up into the helicopter as the stairs retract behind us, folding up into the vehicle and then disappearing completely into its undercarriage. When we reach the top, I fully expect to find myself in... When we reach the top, I fully expect thee find myself in a bare-bones cockpit, my ears assaulted with the powerful hum of spinning chopper blades. This couldn't be farther from the truth, however. When the helicopter door closes behind us, all of the sound disappears completely. We are in a small but opulent living quarters, with a fireplace, some couches, and even a large flat-screen TV. The only way that I can tell I'm still in a helicopter is by looking out through the large windows on either side of the aircraft, which now display the dark landscape below as it gets smaller and smaller, drifting away from us while we rise. Come, sit, offers the man as he flops down onto the couch in front of his roaring fireplace. This is amazing, I gush. 
Right, right, the man says, clearly understanding how wealthy he is and not needing a reminder. I walk over and sit down next to him. I am Sir Barkano Shibbery, but you can call me Barco, the rich man explains. Travis, I tell him. Well, Travis, I know a good investment when I see it, Barco continues. It's how I've gotten to where I am today. Solid common sense butthole investment. Butthole investment, I counter. Not quite sure what he means by this strange new term. Did you know that the most profitable place to run a business is inside the body of a handsome man? Barco questions. Specifically, inside of his butthole. I shake my head. I didn't know that. And I don't know if I believe it. Barco throws his arms out. Then please, explain all of this. I look around at the ornate trappings of this flying room, the detail that has been paid to every nook and cranny of the luxurious helicopter compound. Fair enough, I concede. Barco eyes me up and down, as if questioning whether or not I'm ready to hear what he has to say, then finally continues. I will help you start a business within your body. Within just two years, I guarantee that we will turn a reasonable profit through common sensory investment and strategic targeted marketing. After that, the sky is the limit. Will it be enough to pay for my medical bills? I ask him, cutting straight to the point. When we're finished, you'll be able to buy the whole damn hospital, retorts Barco. All I ask is a 25% stake in the company. I don't need to think long before extending my hand out towards this wealthy anal investor. Deal. We start by investigating the ecosystem of my anus. Barco explains that even though it looks fantastic from the outside, there is no telling what waits within. Fortunately, what we find is a stunning collection of hills and valleys. A gorgeous landscape covered in lush green forests and beautiful flowing rivers. Immediately, we recognize that there are many approaches to take within this anal wonderland and decide to develop the most effective two. First, we're going to take the rolling green hills and turn them into beautiful vineyards, growing grapes over the course of several years and turning them into a high-priced wine. Barco has all the connections needed for this, and he is confident that within the ecosystem of my butthole, we will be able to come up with something quite special for even the most skeptical consumers. Secondly, we plan on using the natural beauty of this landscape to our advantage, turning it into an exclusive residential development for only the wealthiest of clients. I have to admit, the first year of this whole process is quite frightening. Barco lets me live at his home in the Hollywood Hills, where we develop and expand upon my anal property. But while the vineyards are growing their grapes and the homes are being constructed, not a single cent is being added to my empty pockets. In fact, Barco and me are hemorrhaging money left and right. Fortunately, my new financial mentor has faith in me, taking this initial investment upon himself as we work from the ground up. I don't know what I'd do without him. And I'd be lying if I said this first year of crashing at his luxurious complex was much of a hardship. Still, the thought always lingered at the back of my mind, a nagging question that I couldn't seem to shake, my matter how hard I tried. Probably means no. No matter how hard I tried. Anyway, is this a sound investment? Eventually, though, the grapes are ready to harvest, 
and the homes begging to be occupied. We name this particular region of my butthole Plobus Valley, an attractive name that translates to place of sweet riches in the language of the natives who inhabit my body. It also makes for a great wine brand. When Plobus Valley wine is finally sent out to all the world's most elite tasters, it scores incredibly high marks on both packaging and flavor. Soon, Plobus Valley is a household name, synonymous with fine dining and the pinnacle of luxury. With that kind of recognition, it only takes a few well-placed ads in print and billboard for our target demographic to start moving in, buying up homes left and right, and paying off our real estate development tenfold. One day I look at my bank account, and I have a hundred million dollars staring back at me. Barco and I are strolling through the beautiful forest of my butthole, looking up at the anal sunset that peaks through the crisscrossing leaves above and covers us in a beautiful pattern of ornate shadows. This place really is amazing, Barco tells me. I nod, removing my top hat as a symbol of reverence. Many years have gone by, and now that I'm a billionaire, I've started to dress just like Barco, sporting a regal purple suit that shows off my newfound sophistication. Thank you for believing in my ass, I tell him. I know a good investment when I see it, Barco replies. All it takes is a common-sense business plan and a little development know-how. I chuckle. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> The path we are walking on suddenly opens up and ends at the edge of a cliffside, looking out across the vast landscape of my own rectal passageway below. <sighs> Look at this place, I sigh, my eyes locked upon the beautiful vista that spreads out before us. Can you believe it's been eight years? Eight fantastic years, he repeats back to me. By now we've spun off the initial investments into even more profitable ventures. Down by the lake, I can see the massive aerospace warehouse, which provides reliable aircrafts all across my butt. Over to my left is the blossoming arts district, providing culture and excitement to the people who live here. And behind it is the soon-to-be-finished UFL stadium. All of this is generating income at an almost unfathomable rate, and all of it exists entirely within my butthole. I turn to Barco, my eyes welling up with tears. I don't think I can thank you enough. I tell him. If it wasn't for you, I'd still be paying off all of those medical bills. Barco sighs. Thank yourself, then. What do you mean? I question. Barco hesitates, his eyes sparkling mysteriously and the last light of the sun as it disappears behind the mountains. What is it? I continue to prod, growing concerned. Something is off here, something that I can't quite put my finger on. I have to tell you something, Barco begins. Something that I've been keeping from you for a very, very long time. Tell me, I insist, unable to contain myself any longer. I'm not real, Barco finally reveals. What? I question, not quite understanding. I'm a figment of your imagination, the man explains. In fact, we're the same person. The second that Barco says this, everything starts to fall into place. I remember that day at the coffee shop when I first met him, but in my memory I now realize that I'd been all alone. There was no man in a purple suit, no helicopter drifting down to pick us up, 
Every piece of information that I learned from Barco had actually come from somewhere deep down within my own subconscious, passed on to the rest of my brain by a character that wasn't ever really there. I'm sorry, my friend and mentor tells me, his physical manifestation slowly starting to fade. Wait, I cry out, grabbing a hold of him and pulling him close as tears stream down my face. You can't go. There's so much that I still want to tell you, to learn from you. There's no time, insists Barco. You'll have to learn from yourself. That's all that I ever was, Travis. A part of you. But I love you, I reveal. I close my eyes and kiss the handsome man deeply on the lips, feeling them dissipate against mine. When I open my eyes again, Barco is gone. I fall to my knees now, looking up into the sky of my own butthole and crying out with the pain of a broken heart. Over the last eight years, we have created such beauty here, but with no partner to enjoy it with, the landscape now seems bland and colorless. I love you too, comes a voice from behind me, deep and soulful. Slowly, I turn around and gasp, shocked by the stunning vision that stands before me. I recognize him immediately, a physical manifestation of my business ambition that swirls and dances in the air like a handsome cyclone of practical thought and common-sense marketing. I'm still here, the manifestation of my business sense tells me, just not in the way that you thought. I don't care, I tell him, trembling with arousal. I want you. Already on my knees, I beckon my sentient business sense towards me and then remove his ever-hardening cock from the swirling mass of economic strategy. His shaft is absolutely massive, pointing out at my face like a beautiful pink rocket of flesh that I swallow graciously. My business sense lets out a long, satisfied moan as I begin to pump my head up and down across the length of his shaft, slowly at first, and then speeding up with every movement. I cradle his balls in my hands, gently caressing the hanging globes as his hips pump along with my movements. Eventually, I push down as deep as I can and take the sentient business strategy to the hilt of his rock-hard cock, his length fully consumed into the depths of my throat. I hold him here for a while in an impressive deep throat, letting his handsome manifestation enjoy my oral skills. Even I'm surprised by how well I take him, due mostly to the fact that I'm not at all gay. There's nothing gay about a man taking his own economic strategy in a hardcore deep throat, I remind myself. This may be the business of love, but it is still a business. Eventually, I start to run out of air, and I'm forced to pull back from the sentient manifestation's muscular toned body. I let out a frantic gasp, struggling to collect myself as a long thread of spit hangs between my lips and the head of his mammoth shaft. You're so fucking huge in my mouth, I tell the living business strategy. I'm huge when you put me other places, too, he says with a laugh. I know exactly what he means by this. And suddenly overwhelmed with arousal, I fall back and turn around on the ground. 
I'm on my hands and knees now, facing away from the swirling mass of sentient ambition and knowledge. I push my ass out towards him, reaching back with one hand to undo my belt and then promptly slipping my pants off. My underwear comes shortly after, and soon enough I'm completely exposed to the manifestation. I hold my tight butthole open for him. Take me, I groan. Shove that big fat business cock up into my tight gay ass. My own sentient business knowledge positions himself behind me, crouching down and placing his rod up against the tightly puckered rim of my butthole. I can feel him teasing the edge of my taut sphincter, playing with the elastic of my ass, and then gently sliding in. I let it a long, satisfied moan, gripping hard onto the grass before me and bracing myself against his weight. Deeper and deeper, my manifested business know-how dives until eventually he reaches the hilt, swallowed completely within my asshole. The fullness creates a strangely satisfying ache within me, and as the manifestation begins to slowly pump in and out, I realize now that he is stimulating my prostate. It's an unusual sensation, one that I've never before experienced until this very moment of pure bliss. While every slam against my backside speeds up, the orgasmic throbbing spreads across my body, starting deep within my butthole, and then flooding into my stomach, then down my arms and legs. Soon enough, my entire body is trembling with desire, shaking and convulsing as it's filled with orgasmic pleasure. Harder! I scream, egging him on. Pound that ass harder with exponential growth! The business manifestation doubles his speed with every slam, faster and faster until he's hammering into my rectum like an out-of-control jackhammer. I'm loving every second of it, my eyes rolling back into my head as I reach down between my legs and begin to beat myself off furiously. I can sense the edge of this powerful orgasm welling up within me, struggling to explode across my body. Closer and closer it draws until I feel as though I'm about to break completely, but with just seconds to spare, the manifestation behind me pulls out and plummets me back to zero. Hey! I shout in surprise. Not yet, my business ambition says. I want to show you something. I can't help being a little disappointed, but I trust this sentient economic idea and take his hand as it's extended out towards me. Where are we going? I ask. To see what we've built over the last eight years of careful reinvestment and common sense business practice, the manifestation coos warmly. I suddenly let out a startled yelp realizing now that we're lifting up off the hillside, the clothes slipping away from my body as we ascend into the cool night air of my butt's natural ecosystem. I'm flying, I stammer. We're flying, together, my living business sense tells me. But aren't we the same person, I ask? My sentient knowledge cracks a smile. I suppose we are, but that doesn't mean we can't love each other. As we drift up over the anal valley below, I'm greeted with an even more spectacular view of all that my business sense and I have accomplished. The city below is absolutely thriving. Eight years of work on display. Even though it is late, the men and women who inhabit my butthole are still hard at work in their jobs of choice, making well-compensated overtime and happy to do it. This is what happens when you spend eight years of your life developing a system of common-sense reinvestment and strategic targeted marketing. Do you see it? My business sense asks. Do you see what you've created? I do, I tell him. 
My sentient knowledge is carrying me from behind, holding me tight with his body pressed up against mine as the air whips softly against our bare skin. The altitude of our flight is both thrilling and terrifying, but as the trust between my business sense and me grows, all of the fear quickly begins to melt away. Suddenly, I can feel my sentient economic knowledge and ambition pressing a shaft up against the entrance of my butthole once again. Oh, fuck, I cry. Do it. Pound me up the ass while we soar over the fruits of my strategic evil investment. The business strategy pushes forward and impales me for the second time this evening. He wastes no time getting to work, plowing into my muscular frame with all his brutal force. Immediately, I can feel the tension of a prostate orgasm welling up within me once more, filling my body with a quaking pleasure that is already threatening to blow. I reach down and grab a hold of my cock, beating myself off in time with his pumps from the back and gritting my teeth. I'm gonna come, I cry out. I'm gonna blow my load across this fucking city that we built together. I'm gonna shower my seed across every strategic investment. Do it, my sentient business sense commands. You fucking earned it. Suddenly, my entire body is surging with a powerful sensation. Every muscle spasming hard as it tries to keep up with the waves of blissed-out emotions. My first instinct is to shut my eyes tight, but I force them to stay open, to view the beautiful pearly rain of my cum as it splatters down across the city below. Rope after hot white rope ejects from the head of my shaft, tumbling down and blessing my investments. I suddenly realize that the manifested business strategy behind me is coming as well thrusting deep within my body and letting out a frantic cry of pleasure. I can feel his semen popping into me, load after load of milky spunk that fills my asshole to the brim and then squirts out from the edges when there's just no room left. I love you, I tell him, tears of joy streaming down my face. I love you too, my living investment strategy tells me. My orgasm continues for what seems like forever. Until, finally, I sense the ground beneath my feet once again. I realize now that we've landed back upon the edge of the cliff. My business strategy slips out of my butthole, spilling his leftover seed everywhere. Immediately, I turn and wrap my arms around him. I can't believe what we've accomplished with these eight years of hard work. Well, believe it, he says with a smile. Here's to eight more. My sentient, manifested business ambition leans down and kisses me deeply on the mouth, then pulls back, looking me in the eyes with a fierceness that sends shivers down my spine. Travis, will you marry me? My own sentient investment strategy asks. Of course I will, I tell him. Of course I will. 
Oh, what a dang treat. Thank you to True Buckaroo James for reading from this important tale. I think we have all learned a valuable lesson. Their money is nice when it buys us food, our shelter, or a snake pit to protect your house from Ted Cobbler. But it also has a complicated way, and you can't let it make you into a bad man or a sad man. Maybe the most important kind of money is the money inside your butt's heart. It's nice to be back in my cave. I had fun traveling to Wall's Tree, but I think it's too dangerous there with all those dang bears and bulls running around. I think I'll stick to my basement where the only thing I have to worry about is truck man moaning in the walls and trying to stab me sometimes, but mostly just tell stories about life on the road as a truck man. Before I go, I would like to say thank you for listening to the Big Time Show. Whether you're out on the road like Truck Man, or working at the gym to get rock hard for your buds, it is so special and important that we get to share this time together. Thanks for listening to the show. Love is real! Pounded in the butt by my own podcast is a Night Vale Presents production. Written and hosted by Dr. Chuck Tingle. Our editor is Grant Stewart. Our sound designer, mixer, and composer is Vincent Cachione. Our producer is Christy Gressman. Our assistant producer is Adam Cecil. The theme song is Proving Love is Real by Caged Animals, which is now available to stream or purchase wherever you get your music. This episode was narrated by James Urbaniak. The logo was created by Chuck Tingle. Very special thanks to Joseph Fink. You can get the book, Living Inside My Own Butt for Eight Years, Starting a Business and Turning a Profit Through Common Sense Reinvestment and Strategic Targeted Marketing, and many other classic tinglers on Amazon or at chucktingle.com. For more information, go to pounditinthebuttbymyownpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe wherever you like listening to podcasts. And thanks for listening. And then it starts... The thumb, thumb, thumb of blood in my neck, and the physical arrival of a question, I can feel it in my gut. Why did the light go out? Now there are plenty of perfectly reasonable explanations for why the light went out, but for some reason my brain is only interested in the terrifying ones, the unreasonable ones. I have to look. Dream Boy. It's one word. It's a new musical fiction podcast. Look for it.